down through the years who have who have encountered God and what I find fascinating is that that they all have different uh, different testimonies right um, Jacob encountered God in a dream and uh, Moses encountered God at a burning bush and Abraham encountered God out outside at night under the stars and uh, David encountered God um, as he's out in the sheep fields playing his harp and taking care of the sheep and Daniel encountered God uh, in a lion's den and his friends Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego encountered God in a fiery furnace and uh, and Nathaniel encountered God under a fig tree and I could go on do you need me to continue story after story of people in the Bible that encountered God and it's like when you encounter God what happens is is everything that you used to know here it becomes an experience it's something here and uh, you can't deny it and, and sometimes you can't even always explain it right that's why we have the book of Revelation the Apostle John encountered God on the island of Patmos, and we have the book of Revelation, and who understands the book of Revelation? Right? It's, it's a very mysterious kind of book. I don't even think John understood it, frankly, as he was writing it, honestly. He saw things that words couldn't really express. That's part of what explains the book of Revelation. All that to say that... Uh, that one of our one of our own, our brothers Brad Williams, has had a, an encounter with the Lord recently, and um, and I, I just felt like it was important this morning, you know, so for him to share it with you, and uh, I believe that you'll be blessed by it. Um, I believe that God. Part of the reason why I want Brad to share this this morning is because I believe that God wants to do a similar work in your life. Not the same work, don't hear that. Although, sure, but similar. I believe that God wants to encounter you in a way that Brad has encountered God. So, buddy, would you come share your testimony, what God has done? As Doug said, um, encounters, encounters with God is, uh, is different for everybody. And, and just, you know, my testimony is reserved for the really hard-headed guys that just can't get it without being hit over the face. So um, many of you know me, many of you don't. Um, there's a huge testimony that goes along with this kind of micro-testimony, but I grew up in the church. I've known the Bible my entire life. We did Bible. <laughs> don't look at me. So, uh, <clears throat> we grew up doing, you know, Bible quiz meets and church four times a week for eight hours a day. And, 
And uh, I grew up uh, really learning the Bible and learning it as a history book and intellectually discovering what it meant. Um, and throughout my life, falling away, coming back, um, I really began to believe the Bible. And I believe it. I mean, <laughs> my, my buddy Nick Rito, one of his favorite things he does is he likes to hold his Bible in his hand. He says, if I truly believe everything in this, why am I not reading it more? Why am I not, you know, obeying the things that I read in there? And, and that word believe really was something I hung on to for, for quite a while. But um, we just recently had our men's retreat. And a couple of months before the men's retreat, I was sitting at my desk at work in my little cubicle. And I found myself picking up my cell phone and texting Doug Rouse, of all people, and saying, Hey, you know, what time are you going up to the men's retreat? Maybe we can ride together. Now, again, most of you know me very well. Some of you don't. I'm a soft-hearted, go-with-the-flow kind of guy who doesn't like plans and just lets the spirit lead, right? Probably not, not so much. That's Doug. So as I'm texting Doug, I'm in my mind saying, what in the world are you doing? Why in the world would you invite Doug Rouse, of all people, to ride with you to the men's retreat? That means you've got to go early. That means you have to stay the whole time. You can't... <laughs> You, just, you can't just leave after the afternoon session because you don't feel like hanging out to listen to the guys' testimonies. And, and, um, but I, I firmly believe, and I look back, and I feel the, the Spirit was leading me at that exact moment to text Doug and rope myself basically into this weekend. And I think the orchestration of this whole thing, and if, if in any part of this testimony you feel the word I comes out of my mouth, it's not me. Um, the Holy Spirit really led me right from from the get-go. So I picked Doug up along with his band of brothers that we put together into a minivan, and we go up there really early, um, which was great. And um, over the past years of men's retreats, there have been years where I go there with a hardened heart, and I don't get anything out of it. And there have been years where I've gone there, and I've laid on the floor crying for three days, and I don't feel like I got anything out of it, you know. And and uh, I went there this, this time, and before I left, my loving wife, the day before, says, Hey, I wonder how your, retreat, your retreat's going to go. What do you mean? I mean, it's going to be a men's retreat. She says, Oh, well, you guys don't have a speaker. Well, what, do you, what do you mean we don't have a speaker? Again, I'm, I'm a go-with-the-flow guy. So, of course, I was like, Hey, you know, it'll be fine. The spirit will lead. We'll be great. Apparently, the guy that was supposed to speak told us a week or two ahead of time that he wasn't going to be there. And we're just going to show up, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship, and we're going to let the spirit lead. I brought Doug. I can't leave. <laughs> Otherwise, I probably would have considered being sick that weekend or something else because that's really just not who I am or how, who I have been in the past. So we show up at the street retreat early, and we're doing a joint retreat with the River Life Church out of Talent. Um, great guys, great heart. A couple of them have been to our retreats in the past. They are definitely much more charismatic, you would say, than what we're used to here in New River. And definitely much more charismatic than I'm used to in the church of the Nazarene I grew up in. So we show up, and Caston's there, and we're, we're really, you know, I'll just give you, paint, paint the picture of what happened, really. And um, just a few of us are there, and we're, we're picking out the worship songs. And even in picking out the worship songs, I feel myself just gravitated to only things that are powerful, only things that can hit me. Not this ooh-ah, lovey-dovey kind of songs. I really wanted this to be man camp songs, you know. And, and uh, so after we're done picking all that out, I go and I'm sitting on this veranda with Kevin McDonald. He's one of the pastors over at River of Life. 
and he is what you would call a man led by the Spirit. I mean, he's just, if you look over and his eyes are open half the time, you're lucky, because most of the time he is just in tune with the Spirit and what's going on around him. And we're sitting on this veranda, we're looking out under the beautiful fall leaves, and we're just talking about life in general, and I start spewing on him about why I like these powerful songs and why it takes this amount of power to get through to me in worship. So he lets it go. He takes it in as a good pastor does. And he, we move on and we start talking about other things in life. And then he comes back around to it and he says, you know, I feel the Lord asking me to ask you, why are you here? Okay. Now he doesn't know me and I guess at times I can be a little intimidating to people that don't know me. So he backs off and he says, well, it's, I'm not trying to say that in a rude way. The Lord's not saying, like, why are you wasting my time? Why are you here? He's saying, why are you here? Search your heart and find out why you show up to these things, basically. And then he, I'm sit there, and, I, and I, I went into the weekend, if nothing else, just with an openness to receive. Like, Lord, I want to feel you. I want to know you. I want to know what this is all about in my heart. And uh, that's the only thing I did, honestly. And I did that only because the Spirit led me to feel that way. But he follows it up with another question. He says, you know what? The Lord's asking me, he says, Brad, what do you want? What exactly do you want out of this weekend? I said, oh, that's a big question. And I start thinking about it and we're talking. He says, the Lord says, whatever you ask him for, he's going to give you. I mean that okay and that spun me into a tailwind never been a journaler never actually picked up a journal in my life I had brought one with me incidentally and I, I started writing down you know Lord what Whew. I got a blank check because I believe you and I believe that this man here is directly from you you're going to give me what I asked for. So I start asking myself, hey, you've got one check. You don't have, you know, a checkbook. So I start asking, you know, Lord, do I want to ask you for guidance in my life? Do I want to ask you for the answers to these, these mysterious questions that we're just not supposed to know this side of heaven? Um, I get to the hard ones. Do I want to ask for healing? One of my sons is just a simple tick disorder. Could be more, could be less. My mother suffers constantly from MS and digestive issues. So anyway, I go through this list in my mind and I'm scribbling it all out. Lord, what do I want to ask you for? So we leave there, and uh, the next thing that happens is definitely right up my alley again. Tom Nolan was there with me. 
Doug and Kevin, a couple other guys, and uh, they said, hey, you know what? The leaders are going to get together, and we're going to pray about what's going to happen and what we want from the Lord at this retreat. And they have this crusty old little cabin, cottage-looking chapel, and it's right up my love it. I love the, the old stuff, so we leave the beautiful lodge. We go down to this musty chapel in the dark, and there's six guys wandering around, standing up, sitting down, laying down, absolutely against anything I'm about. You know, let's, you know, you want to pray as a group, let's sit in a circle. You take a turn, you're going to close, right, Marvin? We're going to say that up front so that we can all know when this is over with. We're in there for an hour and a half, two hours. And we're praying, and we're praising, and we're singing, and looking back, I can feel the Spirit at that point. But even then, just desperate, asking the Lord to show us what we should ask for. And uh, it all boiled down to a prayer. Looking back to the retreats and the other times in life where the Lord has given me what I would call a testimony moment. And I was just praying for every man that was going to come to that retreat that they would experience the Holy Spirit in a way that would be a testimony moment. Something on that timeline when somebody asks you, how do you know God exists? That every man there would experience the Lord in a way. And I, you know, direct prayers of another one of those lines I hear a lot when they're talking about praise and worship prayer nights. And, you know, the, the presence of the Lord was so palpable. It was so heavy upon us. You could you feel it when you walk in the door. I have no idea what that means. Uh, not something that I'd ever experienced. Not something that I don't know if I just wasn't open to it or, or what it was. But I just, Lord, I want to know what that means. I want to know what the weight of the Holy Spirit feels like. And I want, I want you to crush the men in that room, you know, in our worship and our prayer time. I want to feel you. I want to know what that feels like. And uh, give us all a, you know, a genuine, genuine encounter in a way that, again, this is one of those men's retreats that... We go home and we remember 15, 20 years from now, we tell our children about and our children remember. So we move on uh, from the prayer that night, or that afternoon, I should say, and we go through, oops, we go through the first session that eight, that evening, and worship was great, every, you know, nothing amazing. We stay up late, we play cards, you know, I end up uh, getting about two hours of sleep, probably at the most, I'm exhausted. I go down in the morning uh, early for breakfast and not a lot of guys are up yet and I'm sitting at a table I think Lynn Gerhard was there um, Canaro might have been there a couple of the guys uh, Kevin McDonald was there along with one of the guys from his church and uh, at breakfast you know we start talking about comfort levels of the Holy Spirit and how uh, not necessarily just in tune and sensitive to the Holy Spirit but whether or not it's something that we're comfortable with and um I started talking about uh, Church of the Living God down the street. Um, they had a speaker come in just uh, the week prior to that to do like a revival meeting, you know, each night. And I'm talking to my cousin and her husband that go there, and they're telling me all about how half the congregation was on the floor dying with holy laughter and how the Holy Spirit manifested, manifested himself on these people in a way that they had uncontrollable laughter. Okay, Lord, I believe you. I read the Bible. I understand, you know, I, the gifts of the Spirit are real. Like, I mean, I get it. Sure. And while we're sitting there at breakfast and I'm sitting there, Yaka comes up in my mind. I'm sitting there talking. And I said, if this happens to somebody I know in my presence, 
then I'll really know it's real. I mean, I can believe it, but do I know it? And I said, if this happens to Mike Yakka, I'm going to believe it. You know what I mean? If, you know, they talk about uh, people who are slain in the spirit and they're falling over. I have a really hard time with it. And it's never happened to me and it's never happened to someone I know and I know who they are, you know, and that it's genuine. So I said, you know, I'd, I'd really love to see that, you know, and I'm talking to these guys. And they kind of laugh about it a little bit because, again, they're a charismatic church. This is stuff there. This happens to them. One of the other guys that was standing with us uh, sitting at the, at the table said that he was at a worship night the, uh, that same week. And he was talking about um, how they did a, they called it a fire tunnel, basically, where everybody lines up on either side. And the entire group walks through the, the group of people down the center. And all they do is just a, a prayers of blessing. And, and everybody on each side prays over each individual as they work their way through. So, okay. Good for you, EBGB guys. Glad, glad that works for you, but definitely not my world, you know. And even at this point, after all the awesome prayer and the that we had the day before, I'm still kind of just, all right, that, that's good for you, but you know, I, I'll make it through here. We get into the morning session, and uh, one of the guys from River Life stands up, a guy named uh, Ben Dudek, awesome man of God, um, but he stands up. He was actually at breakfast with us uh, earlier that morning. And he gives a testimony of how he always knew and he believed that God would provide for his family. You know, as men, we always want to be the providers in general. You know, it's something we want to know that we have the capability of doing at least. And uh, he's a construction type worker and he was, I'll I'll just give his testimony really quickly because it really, it hit me just right between the eyes. So the long and short of it is he always said that he trusted the Lord to provide for his family until he lost his job. And as he's walking out of his job that day, it hit him like a, like a brick in the face. Wow, Lord, maybe I don't actually trust you as much as I thought I did. And uh, he got later that week, he made it through a few days of just worry and trying to figure things out on his own. And he got a call from a guy out of the blue that said, look, I can hire you and I want you to work for me, but I can't hire you for a month. So you can't start for a month. He says, oh, God, thank you for providing this job for me. But how in the world am I going to feed my family for the next 30 days? Like, we're not, you know, this is paycheck to paycheck type family. And then he starts talking about how even while he was working, his wife had asked him, you know, hey, when are we going to be looking at getting a newer car? Our cars have, you know, 200,000 miles on them. They're always issues, they're problems. And uh, on top of that, she'd kind of been hinting that she really wanted to get a bedroom set with a bed bigger than a double that they shared. And she wanted a queen-size bed, and it was just one of those things that she had on her wish list, wish list that he was never able to provide, even when he was making the money and working in his own strength for that. So that was, I think, Wednesday or Thursday, he said that he received um, the, the news that he would have a job in 30 days. And then later that week, they received the, the bad news that his wife's grandfather had passed. Now, her family was a rather large family. There's tons of people who would want to if you will, inherit what's in the home and that kind of thing. And he, they received a call from her family basically saying, look, you know, we've all talked about it and we feel like we want to give you first dibs. First off, Grandpa had a new car. Nobody needs it. Can you use a car? Then they say, you know what, go over to his house, walk into the house, anything that you need as a family, take it. They walk in, Grandpa's got a brand new bedroom set. <laughs> 
with a queen size bed. He says, oh man, Lord, look at your provision, you know. And then they left and then they got a call. They said, hey, you guys didn't go in the basement and clean out the freezer. So what do you mean? Apparently grandpa was a meal prepper and nobody knew it. He had enough meat and prepared cooked steamed vegetables, whatever, in bags to feed his family for over a month. Now this testimony hits me specifically because I don't trust like I should, and I know that. Um, A few years ago now, the Lord started talking to me about the possibility of doing something else with my life. Um, the, The truth of it is, I make pretty good money where I'm at, and my family enjoys that, and we're provided well for, and yeah, I trust you, Lord, but no, I don't really trust you. I don't trust you enough to actually do something about it. So it really, it stung, honestly. So we go through, and we go to lunch, and I take a nap because I was exhausted. And we come around to the afternoon session, and this guy stands up there, and he says, I got a question for you. Let's, let's, let's break off and pray, but let's pray about faith. And he says, you know, what are you doing in your life today that requires faith? And audibly, within the room of 40 guys, I couldn't even hold it in. The answer, ouch, came out like that. Because the answer is nothing. I control everything. I control who I ride with, when we get there, how we get there. I control everything in my life I possibly can. Because I don't trust anyone else to do it right, and I don't have faith that it's going to work out if I don't control it. So we, we break off and we pray and I openly admit that to the guys in the group and we pray all about it. And then we get further into the session and Doug comes up with the brilliant idea that, you know what, the River of Life guys should pray for the New River guys and vice versa. Well, of course, the River of Life guys said, we got a great way to do that. Let's do a prayer tunnel. We want to do a, a, a fire tunnel with you guys. We're going to we're going to line up on either side, and all you new river guys are going to walk through this tunnel, and we're going to pray for you. Now, mind you, we're in a room, third the size of this, with 40 guys in it. Now you've got 20 guys all praying simultaneously. I don't understand a word that's going on. I mean, it's so noisy, I can't pick out a voice from the background noise at all. And I just go back to, Lord, I just want to receive whatever it is, whatever blessing it is, whatever word these guys have. And I put my arms out, and I walk through this tunnel. And these guys are praying for me, some in tongues, some not. Uh, Just hearing little words of blessings. And just, Lord, I want to feel your presence. You're here. I'm walking through it. I'm just just actively trying to receive what it is that the Lord has for me. And I get to the end of this tunnel. And there's two guys praying for me, one on either side. And as they're praying for me, Pastor Kevin comes. And he goes just to pray for me. And as he touches my shoulder, I just feel this weight. Just this palpable weight on my shoulders. And I just, I fall to my knees and I'm praying and I'm crying and I'm joyful. Joy is not a word I know. It's my sister's name, but other than that, it has no meaning in my life. So I fall to my knees and I'm praying and I'm just so happy that the Lord is touching me. But at the same time, I get remember specifically as I'm kneeling on the ground and I'm praying and thanking the Lord for touching me, at the same exact moment I have this skepticism in the back of my head you're tired 
get two hours sleep. Of course, your knees are weak. Yeah, you're just emotional. That happens at these things. Everybody gets emotional. And I'm, I'm immediately discounting the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I get up and wipe my eyes. Oh, that was great. That was powerful. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right. So then, all right, guys, it's, it's time for New River to pray for River of Life. So if you picture this, our guys are both down both sides and these guys are walking through. And most of these guys, we don't know them by name, if not really even know much of their story. And the first couple of guys that come walking through, I'm putting my hand on their shoulder and bless them, God, fill them, Lord, Holy Spirit, you know. And immediately it comes into my heart. It's like, Lord, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, why are we wasting our time? I don't know this guy. I don't know how to pray for him. And you know what? This is not my comfort zone. Like, I have no idea what to say in this moment. Like, I'm just throwing out generic prayers, and this doesn't feel right. If you want me to pray for these people, you're going to have to do it, because I don't know. The next guy that walks down, I lay my hand on him, and I'm just praying for him. And I just feel this power praying for this guy, right? The very next guy comes through. He's probably, I don't know, 20 years old or so. And I just feel, Lord, Lord, this, this young man is going to save someone's physical life with your words one day. Just his prayers. It was just amazing. It was an awesome feeling. And then that guy, Ben, comes through, the one with the, the testimony that pierced me pretty good. He comes through, and I'm praying for him. And it's just thanking the Lord for his testimony and praying for, for his ministry where he works now, which, by the way, a couple jobs later, he's making five times as much as he ever made before, and he's got winters off because it's a construction job that shuts down in the winters, and he gets to spend time with his wife and his family and in ministry. So I'm praying for this man of God, and it was awesome, and he moves on. Now, I'm the last couple guys in the row, and he goes off, and I pray for a couple of more guys, and then as I finish praying for one guy, I look over, and there's Ben. Now, picture this construction working dude, big squared off shoulders, right, looking at me. says, the Holy Spirit just told me that he's going to come on you with such a mighty laughter, and you can fight it. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, it's, it's going to happen. And he looks at me with his crappy grin, ear to ear. He says, have fun. And then he walks off. All right, Lord, I receive you. I receive whatever it is you have for me today. And, oh, I don't know what that means, whatever. You know, let's move on. Let's keep praying. That was fun. I like that. So we start praying, and, and people are coming through. And nearing the end of their line, there was a gap two or three guys before uh, Pastor Kevin was coming through and just my heart just starts just pouring praying for him from 10 feet away just thank you Lord for this man's ministry thank you for what it's meant in my life in the last 24 hours thank you for his willingness to serve you his willingness to be open to you his willingness to share his testimony with us and as he gets closer two guys are praying for him and I reach out to pray for him and I don't even know that I even touched his shirt I'm cackling. I'm laughing so uncontrollably, I can't even breathe. Now, mind you, the minute I start laughing, the joy of the Lord comes over me in a way that now I'm bawling. I'm absolutely crying and laughing. I've, I've heard that it sounded more like wailing uh, from the witnesses that were in the room. And I'm just laughing so hard, uncontrollably, not from me. Unfortunately for Kevin, he's about a third of my size, so as I hug him in my laughter, both of us tumble to the floor. And uh, it was just that, that moment of the Lord saying, hey, dummy, that was me 10 minutes ago. But you're so thick-headed 
that I had to go this extra step. And like that's what I said in the beginning. Like my encounter was what the Lord knew that he needed to get through to a guy that's been going to church for 37 years and not willing to be open to these things, you know. And you don't need that for power. It's just it's what the Lord needed to use to get through to me. So throughout the weekend, you know, we had different uh, different times of fellowship with each other where we were able to just read the Bible and, and, and dig into a couple of things. Now, uh, most of you know we've had a men's group going on uh, on Monday nights, and we were going through at the time. We had just finished going through 2 Samuel was uh, the book we'd gone through. And we had some great times. We had some great insight. And, and, uh, but the, the very week before that, we had just finished up, and it was kind of lackluster. I think a couple of us weren't able to make it, and I personally had done my readings in a way of getting my homework done. I hadn't actually had time to sit and digest and really press into what the Lord had in the last few chapters of 2 Samuel. But I had read through 2 Samuel 22, and just to, just to give you a picture of where my heart was, I read this David's Song of Praise, and what I saw, all I saw, was the later verses, kind of in the middle, where David says he's blameless. He says, he says, For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from God. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. Now, this is David who had an affair, wanted to cover up the affair, so I had the guy murdered, had him carry his own death note. That's great. Okay, this is David. He's blameless. And this is all I saw. I missed everything else that the Lord had for us in that. And I, uh, we were talking about it. We were actually talking about it at breakfast. And uh, one of the guys says, you know, that's one of my favorite passages. What? And I didn't say my negative tear stuff down kind of thing. I kept it to myself. But I said, oh, yeah, okay, that's great. And then he says, no, 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 you got to read it again. Now, before I read this, because I probably won't make it through, the freedom that the joy of the Lord came with in my life was really a freedom from fear. There's no way I'd stand up here, by the way. This is not me either. I don't talk to people in public. I'll talk to you all the time. I love talking to people, but not standing in front of people. It drives me crazy. But a freedom from fear in a way where we always sing, uh, my chains are gone, right? We talk about breaking chains. He could break every chain in our lives. And we talk about the things that tie us down, right? And as a guy with a mixed history, I always thought of things like addictions. That's a chain. Break the chain, Lord. You know, that, that's the kind of thing. Or, you know, anger. Oh, that's a chain that changes our lives. And what he, he showed me through the weekend, really, was that I have one main chain in my life, and it's been there a very long time. It's a chain of fear. Fear of everything. Fear of failure. Fear of success. You know, fear of disappointing people. Fear of being exposed for who I am or who I felt I am. You know, that type of thing. And he really showed that all the other fears and all the other things and the ways that I acted out in self-destructive ways in my life all stemmed from this fear that ruled my world and made me control everything and made me hold on to the things that I felt were precious. He broke that chain, or he's breaking that chain, as I allow him to and I continue to surrender. And that, that word surrender comes around over and over and over again, but... Even this morning as I'm sitting there before I come up here, it's, Lord, I surrender this because I can't do this. I can't talk in front of people. Stop looking at me. (laughs) 
but it's just surrender. So I just want to read part of this passage to you. It's uh, 2 Samuel 22. Let's start on verse 4. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, and the snares of death confronted me. The coils of the grave. I mean, come on, that's our chains. He's saying it right here. Those are the chains. Those are the things we allow ourselves to keep us from enjoying the joy of God in this world. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of heaven, of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered the enemies, bolts of lightning and rooted them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. If you guys aren't seeing this, if you're not seeing a picture of God the Father reaching down and grabbing you from wherever you are now, that was definitely my testimony years ago when I was in really dark places and I just didn't realize it you know but it's my testimony today too because I sat in these pews for the last 10 years back from the dead yet again but I wasn't living like it you know I wasn't living in that faith I was being a good guy I was doing my best to follow the rules I was being nice to others I was giving I was tithing whatever but I wasn't living in that faith or in that trust And he showed me that. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from my foes who were too strong for me. That's a big one. It's, uh, he doesn't just rescue us. I mean, we've been trying, we've been fighting, whatever it is. If you have trust issues, if you have anger issues, if you have addictions, he is able to draw us out of those deep places and rescue us from the powerful enemies that are too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So, I don't know if you caught this or not, but he rescued me because he delighted in me. He didn't delight in me because he rescued me. So he didn't take me out, clean me up, put me on a pedestal and say, hey, look, that's my son. He's cool. Look at him. He's clean. Everything's shiny. I was in the torrents of destruction, wrapped in the cords of the grave, in a deep, dark place. And at that time, he delighted in me. Enough to get pissed off and come down and save me. Pretty cool, right? That's the other thing I really struggle with is the whole Abba Father thing. I'm learning that one, but that's, that's a pretty cool dad. So all this to say, 
there's there's different steps that we all need to take when it comes to where our heart is and what we do with our heart when it comes to Jesus. And he's taking me one bigger step that I really needed and I desperately need in my life. But he took me from a head knowledge of how to pass a test in Bible class to a chest knowledge of, Lord, I believe it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live by it the best I can in my own power. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a good Christian. I'm going to raise my kids up the best I can to follow you, Lord. But he's taking me beyond the believe, and he's asking me to become what it is I believe. And uh, just like last week, the only thing that I could, I could see in the, in the communion story was, you know, act as if. Like, live as if he actually died for us and we're actually free. My wife and her horrible discernment that drives me nuts sometimes... I told her this story about the the second Samuel and I told her how all I saw was how how dare David say that he's blameless. How dare this man write in the Bible that he did not sin. Because come on, it says two chapters, flip over, you know, come on, your sin is laid out for the world to see. How can you even possibly claim that you're blameless? And I what she said really made me search my heart and understand that I had not received his forgiveness for the man that I felt I still was. I felt like I was still that guy in the pit and I just had a day pass to sit up here on the shelf, see what it looks like and, you know, get that feeling once in a while. But the power of actually understanding what it means that my sins are gone and I'm forgiven. It's something I'm going to struggle with for a little while here to really grasp what that means, but he's given me the opportunity to really dig in and see what that means in my life. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. I wanted to follow that up with a song. Uh, We've been, uh, Brad and I have been doing, what he hasn't said is the, the changes that God's brought about in his life since then. An increased hunger for God, an increased desire for God, an increased awareness of God. It's not just a one-off fuzzy feeling experience. You understand that? that uh, and that's one of the marks of a genuine encounter with God is that it doesn't produce a desire for more encounters. It produces a desire for more of God. Big difference. And um, there's a song. Uh, so Brad and I have this. And you can join us if you want every morning between 5.30, 6.30, somewhere around then. The song of the day. So this was the song of the day a couple of days ago that Brad texted to me. And we just wanted to play it as we close this this morning. I want you to hear this song, Less of Me more of you. It's the cry of our heart. God, it's not about me. I want you. Just listen to this as we begin to respond to what God's doing, okay? Nothing more left to do So quit 
Less of me, God, and more of you. That's what I desire. 
I want to challenge you this week, friends, to change the way you pray. Just try it for a week. Instead of praying, I want, pray, I surrender. I surrender. Instead of praying, I need, pray, I surrender. I give it to you, Lord. I surrender this. I surrender that. I surrender that. I surrender. Go through your life. Go through all the aspects. Leave no stone unturned. I surrender it. 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 I I challenge you this morning to pray that prayer this week and see what God does with it. I also want to encourage you to, to seek the Lord with all that you can. God promises that if you seek me, you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. He promises that he will be found by you. It's it's not in God's nature to play cat and mouse. That's not what he does. He's, He's not about hide and seek. He doesn't play games with you. But he does love treasure hunts. And he is the treasure. Can you receive that? So he loves treasure hunts, and he's the treasure. And there's just nothing, there are few things that honor God more than a human heart that has become captured with a desire to find that treasure that is God. And he honors that, and he, man, he he partners in that. He, He responds to that. You know, he does. And so, run after him. I want to, as we close here this morning, we're going to spend some time here praying together. And the worship team is going to lead us in singing. But I want to just, we're going to just open up our altar like we normally do. But I just feel specifically like the prayer has to be, do you want more of God? And if, if that's your desire, I want more of God, uh, then I, I just want to invite you to respond to that invitation and say, I'm going to go, I, I just want to come and kneel and say, God, I, I want more of you. And, uh, and so that's, that's, our, that's our response this morning, okay? Whatever that looks like, you know, I think it's super cool that God whacked Brad over the head with holy laughter. Like, that's, that's great. That's a lot of fun. And Maybe he would do that with you. Maybe he would, maybe. But I've just learned I don't dictate how God works. I just know I want more of God. Amen? Whatever that looks like, I want it. And so that's, that's the prayer. More and more and more. So let's stand. And, uh, and I invite you to come and join me here. If that's your heart's desire as well. is none